Welcome back to another edition of the Camera Rooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. All right, so on this episode, special treat, we meet, or you'll meet Madeline Calvez. Madeline is a former Marine Corps officer, and the reason I wanted to have Madeline on, she just transitioned in 2020, and usually we we want to invite people to the to the podcast who have been in corporate America for a little while, but the reason I wanted to have Madeline on is she came to our very first virtual career conference in April of 2020. So she literally came to a conference during the height of economic uncertainty. Certainly it wasn't necessarily the height of the pandemic, so to speak, but man, when she came to the conference, lots of uncertainty, lots of unknowns out there and uh, came to the conference, had a very successful uh, interview cycle, interviewed with a bunch of different companies, received offers and ultimately launched her career at Abumet. So in this conversation, that's where the focus, the focus of this conversation really resides is talking about making the transition, virtual conference, global pandemic, and then ultimately where she's headed in her career. So really, really great lady, very engaging. And, and I think you're going to learn a lot about, um, about making, learn a lot about decision-making, especially in this time and in this moment. So hope you enjoy it. If you want to know more about Camera Brooks, who we are, what we do, a couple of great resources out there. Number one, you can find a load of information on our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. Also pick up a copy of PCS to Corporate America, found on Amazon, written by Roger Cameron, co-authored by our president and CEO, Chuck Alvarez, our senior vice president, Joel Junker. There's literally 80 years of military officer transition experience in that book. So if you want to know more about us, check out our website, check out the book. All right. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Madeline. Okay. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Really glad you have a special treat today to have Madeline here with us. Excited to hear her experience and everything she's gone through in terms of making the transition during, you know, a global pandemic. Let's just call it what it is. Like you literally started your career during a global pandemic. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate everything that Cameron Brooks did to help us prepare for this transition. Thank you. Now you say us, tell us who us is real quick. So I am married to a another former Marine. His name is David. And we both transitioned out of the Marine Corps at the same time in April of 2020. April. And, and I tell people, you know, April was probably the height of economic uncertainty relative to, I mean, I think there's still lots of uncertainty here in January of 2021. But um, back in April of 20, I mean, <laughs> Nobody knew anything about where we were headed. So it was pretty, you know, your resignation was submitted. David's resignation was submitted. It wasn't like you were going to stay in the Marine Corps, but I guess you could have. You really made a decision to, to leave the military in the face of uncertainty. And so I guess let me ask you a first, first question is why, in your opinion, was that? Let's just do this. Why did you do that? What, 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 why did you make that decision ultimately? Well, uh, so that's an interesting question. The way that the Marine Corps worked when we were in and probably still works now, because it hasn't been that long, um, we, there's something called career designation. So just the natural way that we were progressing in our careers with our peer group, we had to make the decision a while out. So David actually made his decision in like March of 2018. I made mine right around Hurricane Florence, which was another event in like September of 2018. So we've known for a while. And I think it gave us an advantage in preparing for 
the transition, we knew that we were going to get out. So we were able to work with Cameron Brooks for two years. It was nice to have that much time to read all the books on the reading list and really dig in. But it definitely did get scary uh, coming into March and April. I was coming back from deployment in February and I was nervous that I wasn't even going to be back in time for the conference. And at that time, we thought that it was still going to be an in-person conference. So I had no idea what that would have meant in terms of um, finding a career. But do you yeah, think it was, yeah, like number one, like the, you didn't have, there was no, like some military officers were actually given the opportunity, like, oh, you know, in, di- in different services, you guys declined crew designation, you made the decision in 2018, but like in the army and other services, they were like, oh, it's, you know, a weird time. If you want to, if you need six months, we'll go ahead and give you six more months to extend. But for you guys, it was like, like we're getting out. Let's we, we knew, yeah, we knew that we were getting out. Um, David did receive an email from somebody in the Marine Corps infantry and he said, Hey, you know, you have X amount of time. If you want to stay in, you have that option. I didn't get anything like that, but I'm sure (laughs) if I had reached out, they would have offered the same opportunity to me, but we still knew that this was just the right move for us. And, you know, a pandemic is pretty bad, but at the same time, nothing's ever going to be perfect. It's always going to be hard to transition into the civilian world, and you can't make excuses if you know that that's the right thing to do. Okay, so let me let me throw a let me let's just kind of start at the top. Tell me the most interesting thing you've learned over the course of the now. I mean, think about it. let's see January. So let's not count that. I mean, we're ten months out from when you transition. What's the most interesting thing you've learned over the course of the last ten months? The, for sure, the most interesting thing I have learned is the cardiovascular system. I work for a company that is very heavily clinical. Uh, We do a lot of work in the cardiovascular space, and I actually got to dissect a heart as part of my training. That was awesome. It was not a person heart. It was a pig heart. I actually got to dissect a pig heart and a cow heart, Um, but just that whole, the heart is really amazing, and it's really amazing knowing what interventional cardiologists can do in the teeny tiny coronary arteries with such precision that are really, really improving people's quality of life. It's just a very meaningful job. So tell me about all your med. You obviously know a lot. So tell me about all of your medical experience that you have coming into working at Abiumed. Like give it, give us everything you had medically. Uh, well, I had a pretty impressive high school health class for one semester. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> it's amazing, though. I love I love what you said, because like, you know, a year ago, could you have even thought to, you know, know what you know now? No way. But I mean, think about everything, you know, that is extremely interesting. And yeah, really I tell people <laughs> I tell people in my company that uh, in Back in May, I barely even knew that the heart had four chambers and they kind of, you know, balk at that a little bit, but it's true. And I've definitely learned a lot. I've come a long way. I'm trying to study up on medical publications, which is its own thing. (laughs) All right. So let's, let's go back to the transition. So, you know, you came to the, as we talked about, you came to the transition, height of economic uncertainty, everything shutting down the average number of interviews pre pandemic, if you will, like, for the last seven to eight years at Cameron Brooks, folks were seeing somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 13 interviews per conference. The average number of interviews at your conference, April of 2020, was seven and a half. So, you know, 60% of the average number of interviews relative to, to the normal. So everything's shutting down, pandemic, all the things going, tons of uncertainty. What's going through your mind? What are you thinking about? Uh, well, I was thinking, you know, there's a little bit more competition this time and I just need to stand out. I need to do everything I can preparation wise. And I'm really glad that I had that attitude going into the conference because I think it helped me. 
So maybe get, for those that are listening that are looking at making the transition, or maybe they're on the cusp of transitioning, what's maybe what's one or two things that you did do prep wise to help you stand out? Well, so it's a little bit of a funny story. We, uh, we were trying to get better digital cameras uh, and it turns out that everything was sold out. But if you don't have a good digital camera, I would definitely recommend to people that you, you don't want to look pixelated. It doesn't have to be like HD quality, but that's important. Um, and another thing that I would recommend to people who are doing the transition is take any time you can to practice being on screen. Call family. If you usually call them on the phone, maybe use like some video platform, Skype, Zoom, something like that, and just practice looking at the camera a lot. You won't be able to look people in the eyes over a video screen, but you can look at the camera. And that's very similar when you're watching somebody who's looking at the camera. It feels like they're looking you in the eyes, and that's good. Uh, Another thing is just because there's a computer between you and somebody else doesn't mean you shouldn't be using facial expressions. Body language is very important, and that doesn't change when you're on screen. And um, I would say voice inflection is the same way. You need to really like take a little bit of extra care to just appear alive and engaged. Um, and it's okay to look at the corner of the screen where you are and make sure that you're not like making a weird face or your hair is not sticking up at a weird angle every once in a while. But um, you can tell when people's faces are lingering and they're just looking at themselves. And you can also tell when somebody's reading off the screen too. Um, so I would definitely like be prepared enough. Don't need notes. Just right. pretend that the camera is a person. <laughs> you know, I uh, I know I've already told you this, so you know I'm not blow, blowing smoke at you, but I really, of your conference and really of most conferences we've, this is where we're today, we're, I, I know I told you this before we hit the record button, today's our fifth virtual conference in a row. I, you know, I, if you would have asked me in like June of 2020, if I thought we would be doing a virtual conference, I would be like, no, no way, this is going to be fine. So I am a little disappointed. I'm glad we're doing a conference. I'm super thrilled about that. I really am looking forward to the day where we're kind of moving back to not doing virtual conferences. But one of the things that I remember specifically about you at your conference was your ability to do exactly what you just said. So for those listening, this is not made up. Madeline, you were, you were amazing at being this super engaged listener with nonverbal communication. And, and I think in the world of virtual interviewing, I mean, that is a true key. If you think about it, over 55% of our communication ability stems from our body language. So when you're relegated to a two-dimensional platform, you've got to try all that much harder. Now, I don't think you should be weird about it and like always like shaking your head or whatever, but but you must, for the, again, for those listening, you must make sure that you are doing more than you probably think you should as it relates to being an active listener. And, you, and Madeline, you were, you were a pro at that and, that, and you had a great conference. And I think perhaps well, that's one of the main reasons why. Well, thank you very much. I actually do remember that day when uh, I could tell from your faces that it was just tough to be looking at a screen with people that weren't used to communicating with body language visually yet. Um, and I, yeah, I would just definitely recommend to people that even though they're not necessarily in an interview when they're listening to your classes, just practice being engaged, practice all that you can early because it does get exhausting to smile all day and it gets exhausting to talk all day and it gets exhausting to be on camera. So as much practice as you can get leading up to those two days that are full of interviews, that's going to help. So that, that it really kind of leads me to my question. What do you think, like you don't have anything to compare it to relative to virtual or, a, or in-person conference. So, but, but what do you think your biggest challenge was with the virtual piece? 
Um, I think, what was my biggest challenge? So I think my biggest challenge overall was just getting that much preparation done in that short of a time. I remember that um, it just felt like I wanted to be 100% prepared for everything. Um, and I think that wouldn't necessarily have been very different in an in-person conference. Um, but virtually, I do remember distinctly, there was one interview that I was just waiting and waiting and waiting. And, it, you know, we used a different platform for everything. So there was Cisco WebEx, there was Zoom, there were all these, like I hadn't even heard of any of these things. I mean, most people hadn't around that time, but um, I was just waiting for this page to load. And it had been five minutes, which feels like a decade when you're waiting to interview somebody that might have control over your future life. Um, and luckily you guys had done a lot of great work and you had a backup communication method available. So I just, I said, well, I guess this isn't going to work. And I called the phone number and it turns out that their servers were down. So, um, so that, that was really good. I'd say for people pay attention to that, have that sheet right there handy so you can use that secondary method of communication. Um, and don't let that freak you out. Um, if it has to happen that way, just still be on your A game. Um, but that definitely was a very real challenge. Uh, gotcha. Definitely have everything downloaded on your computer. So that's not an issue either. <laughs> yeah, that's super, that's super helpful because that, that that's not the case in a hotel room. Like you knock on the door, I guess someone wouldn't answer the door. That would be kind of similar to what we're talking about here. But if someone didn't answer the door after like 30 seconds, you'd be like, okay, I must be at the wrong room here <laughs> or something along Right. I mean, the nice thing about interviewing virtually is that you do have a little bit more information at your disposal. I'd imagine that if you're in person in a hotel, you can't necessarily just, you know, do a quick Google search. You don't oh, pro sure. you probably don't have your phone on you. So yeah. it is nice. There are advantages to being able to do a quick refresher before you hop into the next meeting. Yeah. You know, I, uh, we, we share, we've created this virtual checklist with some pictures and there was a lady who came to the conference a couple conferences ago and she shared her on-screen image and then we, she took a picture of like what her setup looked like. And, you know, there was notes and sticky notes and a dry erase board and a big light <laughs> back there. And yeah, that is an advantage to the virtual interview is, man, you get, and no one can see it, right? They just see your face. They can't see the sticky note that's right off screen about bluff star or I don't know, whatever, whatever your sticky notes about. So yes, yeah, there exactly. is certainly there is that. One of the advantages to doing a conference in person and really the follow-up interview process in person is getting on a plane, going to the facility, meeting people that quite frankly, you probably won't meet when you have this scheduled virtual follow-up interview. You had 100% follow-up interviews virtually. So can you give us kind of the broad, broadly, what was that all about? And, and then ultimately, how did you make your choice with not being able to like walk around the grounds and do the follow-up interview that you wanted to do? It was really hard to make that choice. Um, that was one of the most stressful weeks that I've ever gone through was just that post-follow-up week, feeling like I had all the information that I was going to get, but it still really wasn't that much. Um, what made it a little bit easier for us is that since we were both looking at the transition and we knew that we wanted to be co-located, uh, that it naturally limited our options a little bit. So that helped in a way. Sure. Um, and we, you know, I, I'm, I have an engineering background, so I was making lists and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to rank each one by how close it is to family and give it a numerical value. And then I'll rank it by, you know, the perceived like friendliness of the people that were, that I had sure. follow-up interviews with. And I was trying to rank all these things, like find the perfect solution. But that, I mean, it, that wasn't actually particularly helpful. So we just really narrowed it down to what's the most important for us. And um, we, I'm really glad that we ended up where we ended up 
if anyone who's going through this process does have a choice, I would definitely recommend going around in person um, if, if they have a choice. And what we right. did actually for finding a place to live here, it's different, but um, we just drove around outside places. We weren't going to be able to tour inside, but at mm-hmm. least driving around, getting an idea of the area mm-hmm. um, was, was helpful for us. Yeah. And, you know, in, in today's day and age with realtor.com and all of the things associated with that, you know, you could get a sense of the inside. I guess that's not the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember the the euphoric feeling of leaving the army and starting my career in corporate America. Describe for everyone, like, how did you feel when, you know, you, you, maybe there's two questions here. How did you feel when you finally said yes to the company and you knew that that was done? You'd said yes. And then perhaps how did you feel when, you know, you showed up on day one? Or, or I don't know, logged on. <laughs> what did you yeah. log on on day one? It was, you know, it was just a, a weird coming out of a weird time when we were just in limbo for so long. This is going to sound really weird, but I just wanted to get to work. Like I just wanted mm-hmm. to start doing something again. And I think part of it too was coming out of a deployment phase, and we we had a little bit of downtime in our in our military schedule at that time too for me. Um, so I just felt like I hadn't really done anything for two months, even though I was going to the conference and I was actually doing a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I don't know if euphoric is the word that I would use to describe it, but it was definitely relief and mm-hmm. just excitement that there is a future available for me. Okay. So pull that through all the way now. Okay. Now it's day one on the job. You know, no one, you know, you have a login URL or something like what, uh, you know, what so, were you thinking about? Well, luckily, I actually did know one person. There was a gal from a previous Cameron Brooks conference that somehow found out that I was working for the same company and we were going to be part of the same leadership class. So she reached out to me and we started talking. So that was great. I had a friend on the first day. And then um, just my company, the culture is is really great. They sent us a itinerary before the first day. So we had a number of um, courses that were set up, like introductory welcome to Abiomed courses. Um, and it just, it felt like they were really welcoming us, even though COVID restrictions were in place. So I would say after the first day, I felt very comfortable and just very excited to be part of this new team. Describe for us what you do. Like, okay, well, actually, you know what, tell tell us about your company. Get, give us kind of a sense of that. Now, I, I ask this question a lot on podcasts, like how much did you know about the company before the conference? You're going to say none probably. So we should talk about that. Like who, who do you work for? Why did you choose that? Um, and then tell us what you do. So I work for a company called Abiumed and during the conference, I interviewed with them. So we make heart pumps. Um, and I also interviewed with Edwards and Medtronic that also do work in the cardiovascular space. And I didn't really understand necessarily what the difference was between what Edwards Abiumed does. But, um, but it's really, really unique, actually. We have a device that is very, very small. Um, and you can put it in the heart and it pumps blood for the heart. And we use it for patients that are really, really sick, that can be surgical turndowns. It can be people that are in cardiogenic shock um, and it supports them while they're undergoing a procedure. And we have a couple of different types of that, but that's essentially what our company does. Um, And it's, it's different because a lot of other companies focus on things external to the body or specific architecture within the heart repairing that but ours is like nobody else has a pump like we have a pump Mm. so that's 
really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember what your other, what the other parts of your question were. <laughs> um, and so what do you, what do you specifically do? Like, what's your job? Right now I am in training. So since we are unique and very clinical and we're still relatively small, we call it a teenage company. We're still growing. We're a little bit bigger than a startup, but also a lot more flexible than somebody who's been well-established. So that's cool. But right now um, I'm in training until uh, the end of our fiscal year, at which time I will assume uh, a sales position in a geographical area. So I'll be working with physicians, nurses, administrators, and hospitals, um, and I will be just managing sales of our heart pumps in that area. You said you have an engineering background. You went to the Naval Academy. You're a Marine Corps, you're a former Marine Corps officer. And when we were working together before the conference, I don't remember you having this giant desire to go into sales, but maybe I'm not thinking about that right. Uh, no, you are 100% correct. I actually remember a conversation between us when I was telling you, you know, I just really don't think I want sales. And you said, do you really want to close that door? And I said, oh, maybe one sales interview. Like, maybe and how many just sales so interviews did you have, by the way? Uh, one. Uh, I yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I had, I had two because I had one for Medtronic. That was okay. another sales interview. Okay. So why did you, okay. But you had a bunch of interviews. I'm sure you had more than the average. The average was seven and a half. We've already covered that. How, do you remember how many you, you had at the time? I think I had 10. Okay. So that's, you know, you had some options. I why did. did you ultimately choose in the end, right? A, a career field that usually comes with a pretty negative kind of out kind of not connotation, but you know, negative view. People think about vacuums and other assorted cold calling type of things. Um, why did you ultimately make that choice? That's a great question. And sometimes I'm still kind of surprised that I did, but I think it's going to be a really good fit for me. Uh, I made the choice because talking to people from this company and just doing a little bit of cursory research, I know that this is a product that I can really believe in. And sales, like you said, vacuum car salespeople, the reason that it has a negative connotation isn't because sales is bad. It's because people who are selling it aren't necessarily selling something that's better than the alternative. They're just trying to make a deal. But our product is something that really does change people's lives. We do have data to back that up. Um, and I, I don't really think of it so much as selling. I think of it as just connecting the dots and making sure that we've got these pumps in place so that when somebody comes in and they're in shock, we can help them right away. And it's really not a nine to five job either. People in the sales positions for Abbey and Med get calls at 3 a.m. and then we go and we're there, whether physically or virtually in COVID, we're supporting the physicians and making sure that they have all the information necessary to give the patient the best outcome. And I'm just really excited to, to do that. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because I know that you're, you know, you're fully focused on what you're doing right now. Um, can you give us a sense of where your career might go? It won't be, it won't be linear. I already know that. It won't be conveyor belt, some, sometimes like the military is. But w- where could you take your career with this? I feel like there is a lot of flexibility and freedom. Um, I think if I wanted to stay in clinical sales for a long time, which is not a bad way to make a decent living, um, I, would, I could. And I might like it. I might decide to do that. But um, I see opportunities for myself being in charge of a region or being in charge of a zone, a larger geographical area, and being a leader for the sales folks once I have a little bit of a, a background in that area. I could also see being interested in coming back and, um, and doing some work at our headquarters in Danvers. Um, I think 
there, the options are really limitless. And it's kind of cool being part of this first class of leadership that's coming like from the military that's coming through Abbey Med. I was part of the first round of people. Um, and it's really awesome, too, because we've had a couple of talks with our CEO directly. I don't know how many of my peers can say that they've had conversations with their CEO on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I Maybe I'm just getting into the area of you know, tossing out, come to Happy Med, but uh, <laughs> I'll try not to do that too much, but I just really love the company. Um, you know, I think but, Happy Med wants you to do all that stuff. I think yeah. they want you to take senior <laughs> leadership. I think they want you to do some marketing work. I probably want you to do some regulatory or national accounts. I mean, I think, I think that their intention, I say, I think, cause they're not telling me this, but my suspicion is they want you to do a lot of things. I think the sky is the limit. The sky's the limit. Very nice. Um, how do you stay engaged? And I know this won't be forever. I mean, you're you're a you're a field based. This is a field based job. So you, at some point, you we're going to be in the field probably relatively soon from now. How do you stay? But for those of for those that you know don't see the light at the end of the tum- tunnel as it relates to virtual interview, uh, virtual working. Sorry. Um, how did you stay engaged? You know, I mean, I mean, I've heard like of Zoom fatigue, right? That wasn't even a thing. And like, what what was the number one comment of 2020? You're still on mute or something like yeah. that, right? You've heard this. <laughs> like, how do you how do you fight through Zoom fatigue and things of that nature? That is a great question. Um, so I actually I feel like I have fewer meetings in my company now than I had in the military. Um, so I feel like I actually have a lot of time on my own hands to figure out what I'm going to do that day. And I think one of the reasons that sales is a really good fit for me is because I'm naturally a curious person and I'm naturally a person that really likes to make schedules and checklists. And you kind of need that self-organization capability when you are creating your own schedule and figuring out what to do next. Um, So I I think I have done decently uh, with remaining productive through COVID and staying engaged by just keeping myself to, okay, this is all of these are all the things I want to do today. These are all the things I want to do this week. Here's how I'm going to break that up. And then, you know, if I get done with my work early, then I'll keep, I'll keep outlook up, but maybe I'll, you know, start knitting a little bit, like do a hobby and just give myself a little bit of a break. It's okay to have a little bit of grace and, uh, you know, relax a little bit. You don't have to be glued to the screen 24 seven, as long as you're doing your work. As long as you're getting your work done. In my mind, and 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 I know that was this is a broader question than just sales, but but that's the beautiful thing about sales, in my opinion, is you, boy, you get so much room to just live your life and manage your work how you how you manage your work. And if you're if you're really motivated internally, like the idea of underperforming is it's not even real. And still having the time to do your, I wouldn't knit, I'd go play golf, but whatever, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> oh, it's something. 10 degrees outside today in oh, Boston okay. right now. You can't play golf in that. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. Okay, I got you. Um, okay, so let me, uh, let, me, let me talk a little bit about, like help, help people out listening to your voice right now who are thinking about transitioning to, or really, I don't want to use that word because I'm trying to redefine that word, thinking about leaving the military and coming to corporate America, launching their business career, whether they're going to, because maybe they're in a partnership with Cameron Brooks, or they're just thinking about making the move. Like, what are some things that they should be thinking about as it relates to transitioning, or I'm sorry, moving to corporate America right now? I, so for me personally, I thought about do I want to stay in the military and retire or do I want to leave the military right now? Um, or, 
or do I want to stay in for a little bit longer? And there are definitely advantages to delaying leaving the military or or continue doing what you're doing. But for me personally, it came down to the fact that if I am going to leave the military before retirement, then what is going to set me up for success? And even though there's a pandemic going on, I knew that if I got my foot in the door and I started, then I would be one step ahead of the people who were in my position, stayed in the military for an extra year and then got out a year later. Uh, because when you are out of the military, it's not like you have a Naval Academy class or a West Point class. that Everybody knows that those are your peers. It's just how old are you or, you know, what is your experience so far? So I wanted to be able to get as much experience as I could quickly and really be able to contribute sooner rather than later to another team. Okay. So I have a related question. One of the reasons we started the Camera Rooks podcast is to give people in the military um, a view uh, of the other side. You know, the grass isn't greener, it's just a different color. So can you tell us more? I mean, what's it like to work in corporate America? And we've really hit ideas and topics that, so it's okay to kind of restate something, but give us more about like, what is it really like? Or maybe compare it to the military, not from a good or a bad thing, but like perhaps what's different or what's better? What do you like more? I definitely like more that I have more agency over my life. Uh, and I was actually thinking about this word. I was like, is it control? It's not necessarily control agency. I just feel like if I want to go home for a weekend, back to Maryland for a wedding, or if I want to take a day off in the middle of the week, it's just so much easier to do that and to know that I'm going to be there for my family, for family events. Um, and that was really important to me. And that's part of the reason that I left the military and my husband as well. So that is probably the biggest thing that I really love about being in corporate America, but also there's just so much opportunity. I know people that have started out in IT and then they've transitioned into marketing and, you know, done really whatever they want. It's, you're not locked in in the same way that in the military, you have your occupational specialty. And then in, with a few exceptions, you really just go from point A to point B to point C and the path is already laid out for you. Um, I know that's a little bit, over generalization, I know there are people that have done some very creative things in the military, but the potential for creative things is way bigger in the corporate world. I really enjoy it. And I'll definitely miss my Marines, but I'm excited about where my career is going to go. And I think that the idea of bloom where you're planted, um, we say that in the military a lot, but you should use that in the corporate world as well, because you might start a job and you don't know exactly where it's going to go and you don't necessarily feel the most comfortable on the first day. But if you just have a positive outlook, then like same thing as we were talking about earlier, the sky is the limit. You can really do anything in the corporate world. I think bloom where you're planted for me, at least I remember driving in my last job in the military, I'd drive, be heading out the door. My wife would be like, bloom where you're planted. But it was more <laughs> like a, I don't want to go to work today. <laughs> and so she'd like bloom where you're planted. Um, Whereas your advice is, is same words, different, yeah, but, but it's interesting, and you've said this a couple of times in our conversation, I, let me ask you a question. Do you consider yourself um, willing to take on risk or are you risk averse? Have you ever thought about that? Like what, what, what's your risk tolerance? Maybe that's the question. I am, I would consider myself a pretty conservative person. I don't necessarily take a lot of risks, but with my husband, knowing that we are both a team and we're very stable together, I feel like I can take more risks because I have him to back me up 
It's funny though, because I feel like you, a lot of things you've said today could be <laughs> construed as risky. Well, bloom your planet. If you don't, maybe if you don't exactly know where you're going to go or what you're going to do, like people, like the, there is a, a warm security blanket of a Marine Corps monitor or a D, you know, a Navy detailer or an army branch manager, people that are managing your career for you. You don't even have to think about it. Just do a good job. Don't mess up you know, do as best you can and, and people are going to manage that. And so what you're describing is risk for someone who's, you didn't use the word, but you said <laughs> conservative, so I'll say risk averse. For someone mm -hmm. who's potentially a little bit more risk averse, you're sitting here telling me that, hey man, whatever, I'll, I can figure it out. That's pretty risky. You're right. That is risky, but anything that you do is risky. And I think that you're right. A lot of the things I've said sound like I might be more of a risk taker, but I, I don't really think of it that way. I think that I've just made a calculated decision. I've, you know, I've done an ORM. I've looked at the safety of what one path offers versus what another path offers. And instead of just ignoring the risk and staying in my comfortable bubble, I've acknowledged the risks of each path and then conservatively chosen the thing that was best for me. So right that's, that's how that's I answer good. that question, Pete. <laughs> I, I also think that, let me just add to it. And I, I hope you'll agree. I think you will, because you've already really said it, that it, there's so much people, people, People look at their future based on their past, and in the in the in the Marine Corps and the Army, you're either in or out. It's very binary, right? You're either getting promoted or you're not. Super, super, super binary. In corporate America, I mean, there's a hundred shades of one color. I mean, there's just so many options. There's nothing near binary, and so I feel like even though what I think you've described sounds risky, it's much less risky in corporate America because there's so many things you could do. I agree. I agree. And when I think about where I would have been in the military, and don't get me wrong, I loved being in the Marine Corps and I sure. know that I would have enjoyed my career. I just think that there are some places that people just suffer through in order to get to the next good thing. But there's no reason to give up on your time like that. Like if you don't necessarily want to go to this next duty station, but you know that the one after that, they'll owe you. So they'll put you in a good place. Um, that's, I mean, that's still years of your life that you're not going to get back. And in the corporate world, while, you know, it's, again, the grass isn't necessarily always greener, like you said, it's another color. It's not all sunshines and rain, sunshine and rainbows, but still, um, you just, like, you, you don't have to be beholden to a group of people that's going to put you somewhere that you don't want. You have a little bit more of a voice and you can tell people, this is where I want to go. And you can, you have a little bit more control when you are, joining a company and you're joining for a specific role and then you can ask to be promoted in a specific way. And it's not just some big bureaucratic organization. You said the sentence, you don't have to give up on your time like that. Wow. That is, that is a super, super powerful sentence. You don't have to give up on your time. And it almost feels like, you know, you and I are preaching to each other and trying to convince people to get out of the military. Like I, I, I have no interest in convincing people to get in or stay out. All I have, all I really want to do is let people hear your voice and others' voices about what, what's out there and what's it actually like. All right, last question, landing the plane. Of course, we call this podcast Above and Beyond, right? That's the name of this podcast. So how do you feel like in, in the global pandemic, making your move to corporate America, working for Abbey Med, how have you, what's one way you've gone above and beyond this year? 
Um, I would say one way that I've gone above and beyond. Well, I guess the easy one is that I've learned about the cardiovascular system and the healthcare industry. That has been a lot of work and my brain has stretched and hurt from trying to do that. But um, I'd say on a more personal level, I have gained a lot of confidence in my own ability to make my way in the world. And uh, I know this is going to sound a little bit funny, but like I found out really who I am. You know, the Marine Corps is always going to be a part of me, but it's not all of me. And I am a person that can succeed outside of that organization. And um, yeah, I, I would say that that's really a way that I have stretched and grown um, Yeah, this year. <laughs> I am really excited to watch as you get into your territory make some impacts, you know, see what happens in the next few years and where you're headed. But uh, it, it's exciting, man. The, the world is your oyster, so to speak. So thank you so much for spending a couple of minutes with us today. I think people are going to hear your voice, hear your experiences, and really be inspired to, to make choices and decisions relative to what's out there. So thank you. I really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you very much, Pete. It's great to connect as always. And uh, good luck to anybody that's considering leaving the military and joining the corporate world. Hey, everyone. Thanks for uh, tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Madeline is a wealth of information and just a really great person to hear from as it relates to her experience in making the move to corporate America during the pandemic and coming to a virtual conference. Uh, For the next episode, stay tuned. I'm going to have the part two with our president and CEO, Chuck Alvarez, where he's going to continue the conversation. In in the last episode, we talked about the transition. In this next episode coming up, we're going to talk about the power of comparison and having the ability to compare opportunities and what the true advantage of that is. So stay tuned. That'll be on the next one. For now, y'all have a great day.